Before you open a self-directed IRA, it's not just about how much money you have, obviously that's crucial, but it's also about what do you want to invest in? What's the underlying asset? That's the most important thing. So if you have some money in a previous retirement account, like an IRA or a 401k, a 403b, a 457, you can either transfer or roll that money over into a self-directed IRA so you can take down this asset. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, great state of Arizona. It's Marcus Maloney, and I am with Mike Del Preet, and this is the Azria Show. As you're listening, we have some great information for you on today. We have Karen Hall today, and we'll be talking about self-directed IRAs, how you can use it to invest in real estate, how you can use it, and some of the new legislation that just been released. So without any further delay, further delay, I want to introduce Karen Hall to the show. How are you doing, Karen? I'm doing great, Marcus. How are you? How are you, Mike? Great to uh, great to be here today. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Great, great, great. So she's no stranger to the Azria family. She ran Aria out in Orange County. So she definitely knows the intricacies of RIAs and the benefits it is for our members. So this is the reason, one of the reasons we wanted to have her on the show on today. So Karen, feel free to introduce yourself and give us, you know, the, the snippet version of your background. Okay. Um, uh, my name's Karen. I'm the CEO and founder of UDirect IRA Services. My background, after being a radio announcer in Arizona <laughs> for a number of years, <laughs> I made the logical transition into real estate, right? And mm-hmm. I was at a radio station in, in a Cool FM, and they transferred me up to Seattle. And I worked with Jimmy Kimmel, by the way. I did middays after he was on the air. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm doing this. And so at the same time, I get a job property manager. Um, so I'm living in, living in an apartment. I'm working on the radio, and I get this job managing an apartment building. That turned into another apartment building and another apartment building. And then I got my real estate license. And for a year, I did the realtor thing and realized that was for somebody else, somebody <laughs> probably braver <laughs> than me. <laughs> that's, yep. that's, that's hard work, you know, and not that I, I'm opposed to it, but, but there we go. So then I worked in different areas. I worked, went from being a realtor, I got into mortgage loan servicing, which is a lot like self-directed IRAs where we're servicing the accounts. And so I learned a lot about servicing then, and then I got into loan origination. And then in 2009, well, actually in 2007, I worked for a different self-directed IRA company. In 2009, I founded this one, UDirect IRA Services. So that goes through quite a number of years in a nutshell. But in the meantime, we've helped thousands of people self-direct. I've spoken to tens of thousands of people about how to do this. And I sit on the board of directors for the Retirement Industry Trust Association. Wow. So it's okay. nice to have my ear to the ground about what's going on in Washington. Absolutely. I think about it, you direct. I was referred to you um, years ago. Do you know Jay Massey? Does that ring a bell? Yes, I do know Jay. Yeah. 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 He mentored me for a while, I took his programs and everything, and he'd always talk about your service. It's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, a right <laughs> Cool. So you're the owner. We're talking to the 
number one. Oh man, chief cook and bottle washer. That's okay. fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So Karen, um, yes. for those that don't know, you know, can can you kind of explain self-direct IRAs? Sure. I mean, I think a lot of people know what an IRA is, yeah. right? It's a bucket that holds retirement assets. Well, ever since you've been able to have an IRA, which was 1975, you've been able to invest in alternative assets. So it started day one, the day one that IRAs were created, but not everybody knew that. So when IRAs were created, the thing was you can invest in anything except life insurance contracts and collectibles. So, you know, the savvy people, the, you know, probably that, you know, more wealthy people or so forth knew that you could put real estate, you could put notes, you could put precious metals into one of these retirement accounts and not just market correlated assets. So self-directed IRAs have been around a long, long time, longer than most of your you know, listeners have even been alive. So it's nothing new. God, and there's, there's well, what about like some newer people? You hear about, they know of the IRAs and stuff. What are some things they have to do to get an IRA set up or what, what do they need to have a certain amount of money or certain account, type of accounts? Like what do they need to get IRA. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're going to be a self-directed investor, what do you need, right? Okay, so I think you need some retirement savings. So you pretty much need to maybe have worked another job where you have a, a 401k from a previous employer, or you need to have some retirement savings. If you don't have it today, start today, you know, <laughs> like the best time to plant a tree is either today or 10 years ago, right? Yeah. So, so there's that. But before you open a self-directed IRA, it's not just about how much money you have. Obviously, that's crucial, but it's also about what do you want to invest in? What's the underlying asset? That's the most important thing. So if you have some money in a previous retirement account, like an IRA or a 401k, a 403b, a 457, you can either transfer or roll that money over into a self-directed IRA so you can take down this asset you're looking at. You know, I mean, your hat, Mike, says we love houses. And and, you know, houses love IRAs, I'll tell you. And a lot of our account holders are invested in, in, in real estate, you know, in one way or another, you know, either directly or indirectly. So the way you do it is you, you've got a previous account and you move the money over. We just ask you to leave $325 in the account, but you're not going to self-direct unless you've got the asset in mind. Gotcha. Okay. So I have the asset in mind first, then self-direct. That's right. Got it. Okay. So I can go open up an IRA, buy a house with it, and then I can live in it, right? <laughs> you know the answer to that's a no. We have, we have some rules. You know, a lot of people get that's like an FAQ, right? Or a frequently asked question. And most misunderstood thing is that IRA money isn't just like the money you've got in your checking account at all. There are special rules because you get special tax treatment. Mm -hmm. So you, there are things called prohibited transactions. So I like to say self-directed IRAs are a game of keep away from prohibited transactions, which is investing with a disallowed person, which is, you know, it's your ascendants and descendants, right? Okay. It's also a fiduciary and like a, like in a fiduciary, somebody who has a duty to work in your best interest, like a realtor or your CPA or your attorney, those, they can be fiduciary, they can be disallowed. And also a 50-50 business partner is a disallowed party. Oh. So if you have a 50-50 business partner, your IRA isn't investing in their deal, right? They're disallowed. And there are other disallowed and prohibited transactions. And they involve basically just keeping things at arm's length. And we can go deep in that, but just to, you know, as a thumbnail, God. it's a game of keep away from prohibited transactions. Yeah, that's very important because I, you know, I think people, I even had a friend, you know, um, he was doing, you know, family investments and parents and him and everyone was just 
doing deals, but they were all working with each other and they didn't know though, you know, it was just an accident. So, so two things. So I think it's very good. So one, where can we find more information about those rules? And two, now start there. For, yeah. yeah. Where you can find the information is on our website, of course, which is, you know, udirectira.com, shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, but you can also find them in the Internal Revenue Code. If you just happen to be like not able to sleep one night, you want to open the Internal Revenue Code. It's <laughs> number 40, <laughs> IRC 4975 is where that is. So, so what happens like in that situation? Like, is there IRA police or like what happens when you're doing <laughs> that? Or yeah. how do you fix it? Or right? Like, what do you do? What's the... Right, right. So somebody takes their IRA and they commit a prohibited transaction. Usually if the custodian will catch it and they'll disperse the account to the account holder uh, and that'll be a taxable event. That's typically how it happens. It's not always that the IRS nabs you and says, hey, you've committed a prohibited transaction. That's, you know, in my 17 year, 15 year career, whatever, I've however many years. um, I've never, I've only seen a handful of real prohibited transactions where the IRS called it that. That has to do usually because somebody was in an audit, but you can't unring the bell. You commit a prohibited transaction. It's really game over for that asset and that account. And what you'd be smart to do is to disperse the assets and, you know, just reorganize those funds because you've committed a prohibited t- transaction. You can't undo that. Got it. Makes hmm, sense. Okay. So, and I know that there, we spoke off camera about some new legislation that came down, yeah, yeah. Um, Secure Act 2.0. Can you kind of, let's delve into that and get some information in regards to that. Yeah, this was a long time in coming. I mean, we had Secure Act 1.0 pre-COVID in 2019 that came out. And what that did, it did a lot of little things that don't affect self-directed investors. But what it did is it changed the RMD age. RMD is required minimum distribution. So it used to be 70 and a half and, and secure 1.0 changed it from 70 and a half to 72. So yay, it's 72 now. And secure act 2.0 is changing it to 73. And by the year 2033, Mm. it will go up to the age of 75. Now, how does that affect you, affect you as an investor? Well, say for example, you've got real estate in your IRA and If you come up against your RMD period, you you may have to sell that property to be able to liquidate because RMDs are required minimum distributions. You have to take so much out every year. But Mm. what's cool is say, for example, now you don't have to do that till you're 73. So you can hang on to that property, enjoy the cash flow for a few more years before you maybe have to sell that property. You know, it's not always you have to sell it. Sometimes there are other ways to work with it, but typically people end up selling any property their IRA owns when they get to the RMD age. And it's really nice. Also, maybe you don't need the money. You don't need to take an RMD for your own personal cash flow. But right now you have to anyway. You know, you have to do it and t- pay the tax. So with a higher RMD age, if you don't need it, great. You don't have to take it until you're a little bit older. So that's some of the things. That's one of the things that has changed. Also, this uh, Secure Act 2.0 has created two new kinds of IRAs. We know mm-hmm. what a Roth is, right? A Roth is where the money goes in and it's taxed already and the money goes in after tax, but then it grows tax-free for life. So Mm -hmm. Secure 2.0 says there is now a Roth type of a SEP account. A SEP is a simplified employee pension. It's for employers. It's a really cool account, has a high contribution limit, and there's going to be a Roth version of it. But even though the law says it exists, there are no IRS or Treasury Department guidelines for that account type. 
It also says there's going to be a Roth simple IRA, a simple, that's an acronym. And if the IRA, if the government calls it simple, you know, it's not right. Right. <laughs> right. Savings incentive match plan for employers. That's the acronym. So there's going to be a Roth SEP and a Roth simple where you can put the money in after tax and let it grow tax-free, just waiting on the Department of Treasury to issue those guidelines. Wow. Mm. But it happened like last year. Remember there was like a big... Oh, yeah. What was that again? That was a Build Back Better Act. Yes. And it, it died a worthy death. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, would have, it would have been absolute mayhem for private investors, for anybody raising private equity who had like a reg A, B, C, or D offering, you know, private equity, whatever you want to call it, crowdfunding, mm-hmm. um, these different things, because it would have, it had all these restrictions that really weren't well thought out. Well, fortunately it died <laughs> and it died just in time. So it would have, you know, decimated the self-directed industry, cut us in half because at least 50% of the assets that we take in and custody are private equity. It's the number one asset class for God. Okay. Another thing I was thinking about is, you know, when we raise money for our deals, like say mm-hmm. family homes or whatever it may be, and someone has savings in, you know, in their cash or somewhere else, and they want to bring it to an IRA, they always kind of like say, hey, Mike, what do I got to do? Can you help me out? And, I, and there's not much really we have to do as investors. So can you kind of explain? I know it's not hard. It's like opening up an account, but like, like just that person that wants to lend money and doesn't have an IRA, like what, when it comes to closing the deal, funding the transaction, like what's their process and all that? Sure, sure. So it's when I got into this industry in, in 2007, initially, I had to simplify this for myself <laughs> okay. so that I could put it in the simplest possible terms so I could explain it. So this is how it goes. Open, fund, invest, right? Mm-hmm. You open an account, super easy. You fill out a form basically, and we've got a form. You can just fill it out digitally online. Now you've got an account, boom, it's open. It takes no time at all. Second step is to fund it. So either you're moving over like transferring an IRA that you already have into this account, or you're going to do a rollover of a previous employer plan, or you're going to contribute. Now, every different account type has its own contribution limit, and it depends on you know, your situation, how much you can contribute. But you put the money in. So you open it, you fund it. And while we're waiting for those, you know, those funds to hit the account, you can start investing. And so what you do is you give us your documentation and fill out a direction of investment form. Pretty simple. It's like, it's got the same information pretty much as a check. Like, who are you? How much? Where does it go? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Routing number. And um, so open fund invest. And so while we're waiting for the money to come in, we're reviewing the investment, making sure it has the elements that we are looking for. We're not approving it or saying it's good or bad. We're just making sure that it's an asset we can custody. We're making sure that it's vested correctly so that the IRA actually owns the asset. And we're making sure that we're sending funds out to an actual investment <laughs> and not just to this person personally. We're kind of taking a look. So open fund invest, it goes just like that. Yeah, it's not that hard. And, and kind of like another thing, it's so, so I, help me understand. And isn't it like um, the IRA owns the house? Yes. Right. right? Can you mm-hmm. talk about the difference between the person and the IRA? Sure. So, okay. So like say, Marcus, you own a house, right? Yes, and you got this house and your water heater breaks. What do you do? I mean, you probably do what I do. You go to Home Depot, you buy a new water heater yep. and you, you put it in. Right. So, and when it's your IRA, you don't do it that way because you have to stay arm's length. There's no over contribution of sweat equity. You're not doing these things yourself. 
So what you're doing with an, with an IRA, the IRA pays 100% of the expenses tied to that asset, right? So the, I, so maybe that, you, know, you, you have a third party handle these things. So that's the difference, really. Uh, you need it, your, I say your, your house needs a new roof. Um, who, the IRA has to pay for that out of IRA proceeds. So you definitely want to leave like a 10% pad of idle cash in there so you can pay for these unanticipated expenses, just like property tax. Property tax bill comes, IRA has to pay that. You can't pay it personally. The only thing that you can really pay for personally with an IRA are the account fees or the, these one-time fees. And Okay. So if you, okay, got it. So if you are a lender on the deal, the investor that you lent to, obviously they pay all expenses and that's all their gig. But yeah. you're investing the IRA to your own portfolio. You got to pay all the expenses through the IRA as well as any profits got to go back in. To right, the IRA. right. So let's clean that up a little bit because you make a good point. So what is the underlying asset? Is it a note? Did your IRA lend money into a deal and someone else, it's someone else's deal? Then the IRA owns a note and the IRA takes care of the note. Then the IRA isn't responsible for the expenses because they're only responsible for the expenses of the asset. The asset's a note note. and the only expenses of an, oh, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, I was just repeating what you were saying. I'm thinking, thinking through what you're saying. So the IRA owns a note. So what are the expenses? Maybe, uh, maybe someone doesn't pay back the note. You've got to have a collection company go out. That would be an expense of a note investment. But if the IRA has the brick and mortar, then you're going to cover all these bills and everything. Otherwise, you're investing in someone else's deal. So really, you got to look at what's the underlying asset. Got it. So if it's a lend, if the IRA owns the note and the borrower, you need to foreclose, right? Or they don't pay the note back. What does the, you know, the lender and the IRA do to get that money back? Right. So then as you as the owner of the IRA, would hire a third-party note servicing company, probably have a note servicing company any, anyway, uh, to make sure that it, you know it's a good idea and it's a nice third-party to have. So you've got that third-party servicer going out and doing the collection activity on behalf of the IRA, third-party. You know, third-party vendors are great with IRAs. Okay. Like, for example, if you own brick and mortar, a third-party vendor would be you know property manager. So mm-hmm. you know your tenant, uh, they're... It was something breaks, you know, and then instead of calling you, waking you up, they call your property manager. And that's really how it's one of the best ways to do it with an IRA. And then you pay the property manager the fees through the IRA. That's right. A okay. lot of times what happens is like the IRA, um, the property manager will collect the rent and keep their fee and send either keep a reserve in their, you know, in their mm-hmm. custody or they'll send the balance into the IRA account, whatever is agreed on. What I'm thinking is like, so yeah, you have the third party. So now the third party's like, hey, Marcus, uh, your borrower is not paying you anymore. It's, we're in default, right? They're not paying their late fees. What's that whole look like? Does does the IRA company help in any way or what's that process? No. It, yeah, yeah, it's, that's a great question. So like, cause it sets expectations. Yeah. So it's a self-directed IRA. We don't recommend any assets and they're your, they're, you know, you own the IRA and you're directing this whole thing. So if somebody, someone is not paying their default on a loan, obviously you, you can contact them. You can say, Hey, why are you not paying? You definitely want to be opening up, you know, going on the internet and looking at your account once a month, making sure those rent payments come in. Mm -hmm. And if they aren't, you can deal with them. But again, having a loan loan servicer 
is going to take care of that for you. Um, but then if it comes to the point where they're just not paying and actually you have to foreclose, then there's that. Now you've got maybe a toxic asset in your IRA. Let's take it there. Yeah. So you just flat out can't get any money from these people and you have to go through maybe eviction or something like that. You've got to have a third party handling that. But now you've got a toxic asset, a zero value asset, right, in your account. So we need proof that it's a zero value asset. We need it, you know, to, we need that note to be evaluated by a third party evaluator saying, you know, there's no value here. And, uh, you know, like something like a, an evaluator would use supporting documentation like foreclosure or something. Got okay. it. Wow, a lot of stuff there. So what, what are some of like the recommended, you know, IRA brokerage accounts or what, what are some of the, some of the brokers that you recommend? None. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, just don't, you know, that is see Marcus, you think like every other investor, you know, because with a self-directed IRA, we're not selling, we're not a broker dealer. We're not selling any assets at all. We're not selling you anything. We're providing okay. you the ability to self-direct. So we're not brokering anything. It is, you know, we're just, it's kind of like escrow. You know, you go to escrow or title yep. when you're selling a property and they're not asking, hey, you know, how, they don't tell you how to write it off on your taxes. They don't tell you if it's a good property or bad property. They just process the deal that you bring them, right? Okay. And that's what we do. We're similar in that way. Perfect, perfect. So what else are you doing? So um, I know in the notes, you have the, the OC RIA, are you, how's that going? What do you do there? Yeah, OC RIA. Wow, that's great. I opened it up in 2012. So it's been, you know, we're in our 11th year now. And so every month on the second Thursday, you know, OCRIA.com, just like AZRIA. And mm-hmm. we have a different speaker every month. And we're talking about all kinds of different things. Last month, we had Bruce Norris come in and talk. I don't know if you know Bruce, but he's beloved here in Southern California. And he's not just a real estate investor and a trust deed investor. You know, he's also somebody who is an economist and does his own research for his own portfolio and shares it. I did hear about him. One of our subgroup leaders, Garrick, I think it was him. Yeah. Like, he, like predicted the last crash. He did. Yeah. The California, yeah, 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 he yeah. did. Yeah. 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 Was- and he's one of them. He's really brilliant. He spoke at our last meeting and just the uproar for him. We had so many people in the meeting, it was just, you know, mayhem trying to you moderate that. <laughs> and <laughs> after it was done, so many requests for the recording because he's just brilliant. But we have somebody different every time. Maybe we've got Keystone CPA talking about, okay, you're a real estate investor. Well, how do you keep what you've earned and you know, tax wise? And we have other people talking about all the various aspects of real estate, you know, mobile homes, multifamily, raw land, all the different, you know, all the different mm-hmm. deals. You guys, the same thing you do, the same thing you do. Wow, so we don't do it at the celebrity theater in the round. <laughs> you can't even go there. They don't they haven't let us back because after COVID, it was just the staffing and who knows. Man. But maybe one day. Yeah. Well, you okay. probably get on a golf course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Pelican Hill. We'll do it on Pelican Hill. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So the so you've been doing it since 12. Well, that says a lot to run a community for yeah. over two years, right? So what is one of your, like, what are some of the great things about ARIA that you enjoy? Uh, What I really love is being able to be the conduit for this great information, because every single one of us 
probably didn't start out in real estate. I don't think there's a single listener you have today who didn't wake up and, you know, or go through college or in whatever high school and say, I'm going to be a real estate investor. I mean, maybe more now than before, but, uh, but everybody arrives at real estate in some way. And you realize mm-hmm. the benefits and, and the, the tax benefits and all the wonderful things about owning homes. And so th- then you get going in. We get to teach people that how, you know, how to do it right and how to avoid pitfalls. It's really rewarding. Plus, yeah. I love doing live events. We've got a live event coming up March 9th. If anybody wants to find out about it, you can hit me up. It's in here in Orange County. So it'll be a swanky thing at Newport, in Newport Beach. Well, swanky. Whoa, okay. Like Come on that. out, guys. <laughs> Wow. What's hey, going on that day? Is that the Bruce Norris or? Well, actually, this is a CMA, California Mortgage Association, which is an association of private lenders. They're having their annual conference. It's March 9th. And so they've asked me to rally people to okay. uh, yeah, come to this mixer afterwards. It's at the Hyatt Regency in Newport Beach on Jamboree. And there's this big tented area. And so we'll have a lot of people, a lot of investors hanging out and you know, like-minded people chatting about, you know, what, what are you doing? What deals are you doing? What do you see? What are the trends? Love it. Okay. Off. Cool. All right, Karen. I, we see your information. Guys, if you want to reach out to Karen, just go to info at udirectira.com. That's info at udirectira.com. Mike, anything else you want to ask Karen? There's like social media or anything you want to, anything else? Oh, we are so all over social media, you know, there's nothing that we're not on. So we're all over. And I think most, mostly with self-directed IRA investors, it's fun to check that out, see what's going on. Like, what do they actually do? What are they about? But we offer a free 20 minute consultation. So if you've got some kind of deal that you want to self-direct and you're just not sure, Hey, is this a deal that would go in an IRA or how do I even do this? We'll, we'll consult with you, no charge and chat with you about your deal. And, you know, are we hearing any kind of prohibited transaction? And if we are, we'll let you know, like, hey, maybe you want to look into this or, you know, there are ways to work around this so it's not prohibited and maybe offer some suggestions. We're, you know, we're not advisory, but we're, we definitely will have a cons- consultation with you. Okay, yeah. perfect. Awesome. And then, um, where can we find those social media handles? Gosh, I can email it to you and yeah. I'll send that to you. You can include this here. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we put them in the show notes. That way people can reach out to you if they have any questions about self-direct IRAs. So before we sign off, Karen, Karen, can Uh you give us any words of advice or words of encouragement for us investors that are definitely looking to use IRAs? Yeah, I just understand that the most important thing you can do with a self-directed IRA is understand your underlying asset. Really research the heck out of that. Talk to people, go to AZRIA, listen to their, listen to the speakers there, Learn from these people because they have paid their dues, made mistakes, and you can learn from their mistakes. That's the beautiful thing of running a RIA is the experience that you, they tap into. And also do your due diligence and talk to people within your, you know, AZ RIA community about, you know, hey, have you, do you know these people? Did you ever invest with them? Mm-hmm. And there are lots of different ways to do due diligence and you know, go deep on that with people or, you know, contact us. We have ideas about also about doing your due diligence. So it's self-directed IRAs are awesome. They lead to a great kind of retirement because it gives you another layer of, you know, we always, we all want multiple layers of income, right? Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is that you keep what you earn and you start with due diligence. Perfect. Excellent. Excellent. 
I think that's a way to end the show, Karen. So guys, we'll make sure we have all of the social media profiles in the show notes here. Karen just sent them over and man, excellent show, excellent content. And guys, if you want to, you're in OC, check out the OC Rhea. Yeah. All right. Is that a wrap, Marcus? That is a wrap. Thank you, everyone. You know, you all know what to do. Get out there and take massive action. Thank you, Karen. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.